Welcome back to the Irish Bear Show. It is great to be back. I, again, was gone for the last couple of days and just not being able to talk about the Bears after seeing that game on Sunday was kind of eating at me. But again, Tony, Noel, they kind of filled in perfectly in my place. Corey's back with us this week as well. We have Scott coming back towards the end of the week and also Anthony is back next week. So we have a full slate of shows. Today we are here to preview the Browns and the Bears game. We have Noel, Tony, Corey, myself, and also John Cahill to represent the Browns. So, John, I'm going to start with you. How are you doing today? I'm fantastic. Feeling very outnumbered here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> as you as it would be in, like, if it was a Bears and Browns game, because we, we travel pretty well. We Maybe not as crazy as, as we were talking about offline with all the videos going around with Browns fans wanting to um, kill each other. So, you might be safer just being surrounded by Bears fans, John. Ah, yeah, no. It's normally the Steelers fans baiting each other in the stadium. Uh, we we do it outside. We 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 do uh, we do tailgate uh, fights. As I said, second only to the Bills. Yeah, absolutely. Look, Corey, it's great to have you back again. It feels like as I bring yourself back, Anthony back, Scott. I'm like, I haven't seen you guys in so long. I know. I'm so excited to be back. I'm so pumped off that win last week. The defense has me like so hyped. I'm excited to talk to you guys about it so pumped tony it's great to have you on again you've been last week you did an excellent job in terms of when we were doing our preview show you're hosting it there you got to be on the post game show with noel and graham as well how are you feeling going into this week because again as you've always wanted the justin fields era starts now yeah, it's happening, man. It's happening. This is it. There's no turning back. Uh, just on the, the note of the uh, hosting the show, I'm shocked that you managed to take the reins back after Noel and I's stellar performance over the last week. But uh, but here we are. We're, we're back to normal no, normal things have resumed. But yeah, I'm, uh, I'm fired up, man. I'm so excited for the weekend. Sunday can't come quick enough. And it might all go to shit, but it doesn't matter because Fields is there, man, and I'm ready to roll. It's good. Exactly. It may go to shit, but at least it goes to shit with the quarterback we want to watch. So that's important. No, it's again, you're you're on the post game show. You got to kind of let out some of your your feelings. Has anything changed since that post game show after maybe watching the game again? Because that's kind of what we do. We like to just watch it over and over and over again. Absolutely. No, I think, look, it's all fails really for us at the moment, isn't it? As Bears fans, we're used to highs and lows coming one after another. Well, we had a bit of a low there recently. Things were seeming a bit down and, oh, this, this, this. Well, now we're on that high again. Justin Fields is officially named to, to start this week. And, yeah, looking forward to it. Uh, we have one of our guys in, in the comments who, who was there on our post-game show, Graham, saying, even guys have a great show. Bear down. P.S. Fire Nagy. There's a lot of people that have that. And after a win, people want him gone. <laughs> but it is very, very interesting. And kind of what's coming up. Look, we were going to start on kind of, I was going to start talking about the Browns, but then the news dropped today that Justin Fields will be starting his first game of the season. And really, this is his first week of practice with the starters. He's probably had about three snaps in, in, since he's been a bear with the likes of Alan Robinson, Cole Komet, Darnell Mooney. So, Corey, I want to bring you in first on this one. The big question that a lot of people are saying is obviously Matt Nagy said in his post game or not in his post game, but in his press conference this week, if Andy Dalton was healthy, that he would be the starter. So my question to you is 
is this now just should be the Justin Fields show and it doesn't matter what happens that I've uh, that we've said it before once he goes in you don't take him back out you just roll with the punches like we've seen in recent weeks for the other rookies like what was it Zach Wilson got four interceptions last week Trevor Lawrence wasn't great Mac Jones was kind of iffy do you think now it's just you ride with Justin Fields and that's it yeah, I mean, yeah, I think so. Absolutely. This, you know, I, I hate to see an injury for anybody, including our opponents, but this is how it went down. And I think this is Justin Fields' time. I don't know what the hell Matt Nagy is saying. I think he's trying to save face for reasons I don't know. Um, but I, barring a total, you know, complete meltdown by Fields, which I don't foresee happening, uh, I don't it's it's Justin Fields time right and i think that you made the exact point that Justin Fields is finally practicing with the ones you know we saw those couple of false starts on Justin Fields last week that comes with practice that comes with timing with your offensive line that comes with you know timing with with your receivers the receivers have to step up this week you know that drop by Allen Robinson that was like a just an absolute punch to the gut that could have been Fields first fantastic fantastically thrown touchdown in his NFL career and Robinson dropped it. Um, but it's, it's his time. He's been ready. We all know that he's been ready. I don't know what Nagy is saying, but I think all of us and all everybody in Chicagoland and around the world, that's a bears fan is saying, Nagy, shut the hell up, keep the kid in, let him practice, let him get his little, you know, quips and quirks out. And this is the time I think I'm so excited. Yeah, absolutely. I was on uh, the plane home from Italy when I was watching the game back. And when I saw that Alan Robinson drop, I think I let out a couple like F-bombs out there and people were looking around me. But again, we need to make sure that that doesn't happen because when your rookie quarterback makes some of those throws, the wide receivers need to help. And, and that's the end of you. There was at least two or three passes there where when you look at the stats, they don't really show what Fields did in kind of coming in and throwing to guys you he hasn't been given that opportunity to do it on. And look, Tony, I'll bring you in on this one because I know you've been an advocate that he should be starting from week one. A lot of people agree with you. Um, so my biggest question to you is what, what would you constitute as a success for Justin Fields, I guess, this week? Because again, it's one week of practice going up against a Browns team that we will be talking about in just a few moments. That is one of those that you would expect to be making the playoffs. So it's not exactly the easiest first game for him to be thrust into the fire. Yeah. So in terms of what to expect, it's, it's a difficult one because um, expectations for him sh will be high. They should realistically not be so high because the guy's only going to have one uh, full week of practice with the starters. Um, he's not really practiced with them since uh, training camp. And even then, as, as you mentioned, he would only had a, a few snaps here or there anyway. So um, in terms of what would be a success, you know, just going out there, um, building uh, relationships, building momentum, um, playing smart, um, trying. And it was actually something that Nagy said um, earlier on, try not to be the hero, you know, rely on your teammates, know that you can trust them, get the ball to your playmakers and let them do their thing as well. Um, but no doubt, you know, with Fields being the kind of player he is and the kind of competitor he is, having that athleticism, he's probably going to pull a couple of 
cracking runs out the bag or kind of deep shots or something like that. And um, I'm curious to see how that works out. But for me, no pressure on him. You know, if he goes out there um, and and looks half decent, then that that's going to be a success. Um, and if he can continue that momentum week on week until he either gets pulled out or he, he just stays in there, which I think's probably more likely to happen, then um, then that that's that's the way this has got to go. This season, as we mentioned many times, is is transitional. So make your mistakes this year, you know, learn from them, get to grips with the offense, and and we'll be good to go next year. Yeah, absolutely. And look, now I'll finish just on this. We will come back onto. Justin feels a, a little bit lighter, but do you think that this is like the gift that Matt Nagy has gotten? Because we all knew how difficult this was going to be, that really it was going to take either a Dalton injury or Dalton playing terrible or feels just being that much better for him to be brought in and for an injury to happen early on. It gives Nagy that chance to, I guess, put Justin Fields in and you don't really hurt anybody because Dalton can just say well I didn't get removed because of my bad play I got I got hurt so do you think this is just again on the fortunate side for the Bears that this has happened in a way that it's a fairly smooth transition where it's not like somebody sucked like when we saw Mitch come in because Mike Lennon was that bad no absolutely I think I think it's probably the perfect scenario for Nagy Everybody gets to save face. Nobody needs to, you know, nobody's done anything wrong. Nobody's got badly hurt. You know, we've just kind of not naturally got there, but kind of easily slid in there. I mean, the one thing I'll, I'll agree with what Corey said earlier, Nagy, see, I, I don't, he's not reacting great. I mean, I don't understand what he comes out with. It, as Corey says, it's like he's trying to save face for some weird reason. I don't know why he can't just say, right, this is what's happened our new quarterback is going to go in and look, the job's his if, if he performs. I mean, I don't, I, I just, I, I don't know. I don't pay attention to Nagy in his press conferences anymore because I'm not sure what he's trying to, I'm not sure the message he's trying to deliver at times, even to the point of sending his PR people back in then to answer questions after, after he's left. But no, in answer, I won't, I won't write about Nagy, but in answer to your question, yes, I think it's, it's a perfect scenario for everyone. We get him in early. Andy Dalton went out playing well. He's got an injury, but by all accounts, it, it's not a bad injury. So thankfully, he's not hurt. And now we get to finally see what this kid can actually do. Yeah, absolutely. I think this is a, it's one of those weird situations where there's going to be a lot of pressure then on Matt Nagy. Let's say if Justin Fields plays, okay, like a normal rookie, like I, I keep mentioning that Trevor Lawrence, you see an up and down performances. You saw Zach Wilson be okay in week one and, terrible in week two that's what you're going to get with a rookie quarterback i keep trying to caveat that to everybody from preseason where everyone's like he's going to come in he's going to be great that's not going to happen he's going to have some really good performances and then other performances where he looks like a rookie quarterback but i want to see kind of the mistakes kind of happen in the first year in his rookie year so john i want to bring you in because i've seen and i've actually really liked the way that the brands have been able to develop this football team because as, as you know, and a lot of people know, for a long time, the Browns just couldn't get it right. They they brought in rookie quarterback after rookie quarterback, and finally they bring in Baker Mayfield. I know there was a couple of doubts in, from some sections of the Browns fan base over kind of the last few seasons, but I think he's really kind of proven a lot of the doubters wrong 
over maybe the last, I'd say, 18 months, I think he's been pretty consistent with his play. What were you impressed with with the way the Browns were able to completely turn this around where they were winning maybe, what was it, two or three football games to now having that expectation of being a playoff team regardless of the division you guys are in? Two or three, Kieran, you're overestimating there by a fraction of about 66. Yeah, no, the, the transformation has been has been pretty stark. Um, I'm following the Browns for 20 years and um, we've been shit for 20 years until until I suppose we're we're in what we're starting to see that the beginning of a golden age, hopefully. Um, Sashi Brown at the beginning as a as a as a GM. He uh, he took the hard knocks, and uh, he uh, he pulled out a lot of teeth, and uh, he set up a lot of the foundations for what's there now. And in my opinion, all down to Andrew Berry, and uh, the the GM has really he knows his stuff. He knows his stuff, and he's the the um, the analytical approaches. It's a good way to look at when you're analyzing Baker, um, and just just on on the quarterbacks. The conversation you had there just before I come on, that's what we were talking about three years ago. There's the same conversation we had, Tyrod Taylor coming in, taking the job. Nobody wanted to see Tyrod Taylor playing quarterback for your football team. We wanted to see Baker Mayfield uh, put him in straight away. Uh, all the convers- We've had all these conversations in, the, in Cleveland. We've had all the conversations, very familiar with it. Uh, in my opinion, uh, Nagy has, he had no, he had no option other than to start off the year with Andy Dalton. And I think he probably would have went another three or four games if he could have, because Matt Nagy is getting his P45 at the end of the season if this doesn't work. And the, the front office, I think, probably could be in soup if this doesn't work out. Uh, so it's such a big decision. You can't put the toothpaste back in the tube once it's out. And now it's, it's you know, it's perform or go home. Uh, at this point, so Nagy basically has all his cards on the table now, and it, they're, they're going to rely on Justin Field and a little bit the same for Baker. When Baker came in, Baker came in to uh, he came into uh, I suppose an emerging situation, and his trajectory, like you were speaking about, Kieran was making a very good point about the trajectory of the the quarterbacks and the rookie quarterbacks. None of those rookie quarterbacks are playing very good at the minute, but like you know, Baker played really good for the six or seven games he started that first year, and in the second year, then we had the Freddie Kitchens nightmare, and that at that point, people were thinking bust. But most people who knew football were looking at the system and going, he just didn't give him a chance. Like he just didn't give him a chance. So Baker, the Baker conversation, it's a long, it's a long conversation and it's still going on and still going on in the Browns fan base. You look at the numbers at the minute through two games and and they're they're numbers that are continuing on from the last six or seven games from last year. Baker has a completion rate of 82%, which is the second highest in the league. Um, he, he, He completes his passes. Now, on the other side of that, he completes the second or third lowest amount of passes in a game in the league. We don't throw the ball. Like, we don't throw the ball. But when he's called on to throw the ball, he does a really good job. And he's very, very efficient at what he does. The play-action game is superb. Now, the criticism that I hear leveled a lot is, oh, the Browns have to scheme around Baker. I think Kevin Stefanski wants to play his football like this. And I think Baker is perfectly suited to playing this game. So... It's a bit like the Lamar Jackson conversation. Lamar Jackson is worth an awful lot more to the Baltimore Ravens than he is probably to most other teams in the league. Baker Mayfield is worth an awful lot more to the Browns than he is to most other teams in the league. So 
I don't know. I, I, I'm very happy with Baker at the minute and the system we're playing. Um, Baker can have an off day and we can still play well. You know, Baker can play well. Like their games last year, like against the Bengals, where he took the team on his back and won. Uh, I have to say, there are times when I look at the at the Ravens, like the other night against the Chiefs, and when you see Lamar Jackson basically putting the game on his back and him winning the game. Uh, we don't have that with Baker. We have that with Nick Chubb. You know, like we have players to do that. Like we're not reliant on them. So it's a kind of a, it, it's it, even even within the Browns fans base, yeah, you, you have people who the minute Baker sneezes, uh, people get really really irate and, and they're very quick to jump on him so he, it's kind of like he's on a short leash from the fan base and, and from a lot of the media as well to be honest as well I don't think he gets a very fair shake in uh, in national media especially like I think he's kind of a it, it's it, again the narrative of they're playing and, and scheming around him is kind of I think it kind of hurts him a little bit but um I, I think I think he'll 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 sign a long term contract in Cleveland, and I don't think it'll be the same money as Josh Allen. I think it'll be less. I think it'll be in a what you might call reasonable bracket. Andrew Berry has signed the best contracts in the league, in my opinion, in the last in the last two years. He's signed some amazing contracts there, from Hooper to Conklin, um, and some of the like we we have a lot of guys coming up for renewal in the next year. So it's it's the smart, clever management. They want the Cleveland Browns to be a destination where players want to go and want to sign because we were not that team for 20 years. We were the opposite of that team. And that's what had to change. You had to make the place a destination where players want to come and not come and take the paycheck um, at the end of the at the end of your career and come and play shit for two years in Cleveland or play one and get paid for two. Yeah, I guess, I guess the one thing that always comes to my mind when I think of Cleveland is Joakim Noah, where he says, who wants to go to Cleveland? Like that, That's the one thing that keeps coming up at the end of the day. But I, I completely get what you're saying because you do have to look at it. It's, it's about scheming the offense about the talent that you have. Like You don't need Baker Mayfield to be a Lamar Jackson because I'll, I'll go through even some of the numbers. I was just kind of looking at it looking up today just doing a bit of a comparison between the Browns and the Bears and you see the Browns eighth in total offense 812 yards in total 60 points Bears 30th in total offense not a surprise have 528 yards 34 points I think that's in total including just the total scored but where you mentioned it which I think is very important is it comes down to Nick Chubb because number fifth here he's fifth in rushing with 178 yards and three touchdowns we like to say in terms of in Chicago, how good David Montgomery has been, and he kind of ranks seventh. And the difference is that he only has one touchdown. But what you say there is definitely remains true that if you have a good offensive line, a good running game, really you need Baker just to be that accurate quarterback, and then you get to be very advantageous on those play action passes. And that's where you can actually win a lot of football games. We're seeing that right now. So for me, when there's people complaining that Baker's not like Lamar Jackson. Look, we know what the national media guys are like. They want these kind of sexy quarterbacks. They want the guys that do everything and put the team on their back to win. But at the end of the day, when it comes to offensive coaching, and we keep talking about this in Chicago because we don't feel like we have the right guy that's actually scheming around the talent that's on the team, that that's really what the whole point of this is is you use the different pieces of the jigsaw to actually make a game plan work and that's one thing that i've actually really liked about the browns and the one thing is being able to finish that off i think if anybody watched that week one game against kansas city 
and then stopped watching for the third and fourth quarter and be like, what happened? And that's a, that's a kind of a big thing for for Cleveland because if you're going to make the playoffs, as we saw last year, you have to be able to get over that hump that is Kansas City right now. Yeah, and the, the I suppose the biggest takeaway from the Kansas City Chiefs game was that we lost that game because we made three mistakes. We made three outlandish errors in that game and that lost the game for us. So that's how close the margins are in turnover margin between beating the Chiefs and not beating the Chiefs. We also, I think, as part of that the overall conversation and it, it came to light against the Texans last week, um, very well established on offense. You know what you're going to get. You, you know what you're going to get when the Browns turn up on offense. Defense is not a finished article. The defense is is a work in progress at the moment. And much like last year, the defense was cobbled together with a lot of bits and pieces and Joe Woods did not have the personnel to run what he wants to run. Uh, he has the personnel now. Now it's going to be a matter of time. The defense at times last week, I couldn't understand what was going on uh, personally myself. Um, in certain areas, uh, like the, our pass rush, we have Jadalian Clowney and Miles um, Garrett got nothing, got nothing going against the Texans. I, w- I would have been, my expectation at the start of that game would be that they were going to crucify them and that when, I see, when you see Davis Mills coming in in the second half, you think he hasn't a hope. We, we didn't get anything going off the edge. We didn't get the pass rush going at all and stuff like that is a little bit concerning little bit concerning at the minute to find our identity on defense that's really kind of the key at the minute i think yeah that's a really interesting point and tony this is where i want to bring you in because i feel like that's something that gets brought up as the opposite for the bears is when the offense doesn't get going it's all about finding this identity on offense rather than actually looking at what's going right what's going wrong and that's where i think coaching does come into play because we saw that the bears defense didn't play well in week one and then suddenly you look at what Sean Desai changed. And I know I'm not sure if you if you guys got to speak all about this and on the show, but one of the things I was really impressed with was the fact that he started putting Robert Quinn and Khalil Mack on the same side to try and confuse the defense or the offense. And they got a lot of penetration there. That's easy to do when you have a guy like Akeem Hicks in the middle that also if you don't cover him, he's going to be able to rack a pocket as well. So I want to bring you in on this one because there are some parallels there from what John says, where there's two pass rushers that you would expect to get a lot of pressure in terms of Miles Garrett and Jadavion Clowney. We've been saying the same with regards to Khalil Mack and Robert Quinn. We're now starting to see those two guys, especially against the Bengals, disrupt the game. And those were two keys to why the Bears actually won um, the game last Sunday. So, what have you been impressed with that the Bears have been able to do? And I guess, how worried would you be for the Bears that if Miles Garrett and Jadavion Kalani can find a bit of form because the offensive line, as we know, while they've been quite steady so far, there's still a lot of questions there. I think, um, as you alluded to there, the, what Desai's been doing in terms of using um these athletic playmakers in different positions um, has been has been something that's obviously unlocked a lot of sacks uh, last week, especially getting a lot of pressure up the middle. Um, as you said, he used Quinn and Mac on the same side. We know that Quinn can only really play on one side, so you know loading up that that one side and and 
um, having the kind of inside uh, movement as well um, was was key to picking up a couple of a couple of extra QB pressures there. Um, also, the, I think Mac was used as an inside linebacker on a couple of plays as well. So um, he's you're, you're moving these guys all over the place, and that's what you should really do. I think the key is not to pigeonhole um, people in any one particular position. Um, these guys nowadays are so athletic that they can do so many different things. Um, you get safeties playing as linebackers and all this kind of thing, you know. So um, it's uh, I think that's that's been really really key. Um, and in terms of the, the the sack number as well, last week obviously um, I don't know if you guys know, but Robert Quinn's just been awarded an extra sack off the back of um, forcing Joe Burrow out of bounds um, last week. So that actually got my bold prediction of five sacks up to five. So uh, I should have put that bet on, but I didn't. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the in terms of the Browns, um, obviously, you know, they've got some great um, D-line players up there. You know, you've got Miles Garrett, you've got Malik Jackson, Jadavion Clowney, guys like that. Uh, McDowell as well. Uh, you know, all guys that can get really, really good pressure um, on the quarterback. And especially when you've got a, a situation with the Bears O-line just now where initially we had concerns over the tackles. But in actual fact, it's the interior offensive linemen that have been pretty poor so far. So, um, you know, that's that's a concern. But at the same time, if you look at the first couple of games from the Browns, I think they've only actually managed to get a couple of sacks. Um, so when you think about the guys that they've got there, um, they're you know, and, and and I don't know whether or not it's scheme or settling in or, you know, because there's been a few changes on on that the defensive personnel for the Browns. Um, so I don't know, maybe that's part of the problem, you know. So are we going to see the Browns continue to kind of, I would say, struggle on defense um, when it comes to the, the game next um, on Sunday? Um, or are they going to come out and, and show what they are, you know, in terms of the actual potential of, Garrett and Clowney and guys like that, and and get to us through that that um, the issues that we've got on O line. So it's going to be really interesting to see um, how the Browns move forward. Um, and I think this game this weekend is going to be for for the Bears. It's that way. We played the Rams first week, and they are just miles ahead of us at the minute. We played the Bengals in week two, who are probably not quite as good or there thereabouts where we are i think the browns are in between um so it's going to be interesting to see and i think this is going to be a, a proper test of where the bears are as are at as well but it all really depends on who shows up and who doesn't show up um and if if the, the browns defensive line guys can get going i think we could be in trouble but then again we've got the potential escapability uh, getting out of the pocket from Justin Fields, so maybe that'll offset it. There's so much to look at in this game, um, and I'd be really curious to see which way it goes. Yeah, the interesting point that I have every time I think about this, even if the Browns aren't getting massive pressure on the Bears, and no, this is where I want to bring you in, the Bears don't score enough on offense. So regardless of what the Browns do in terms of their pressures, if the Bears don't score or if they continue what they've been doing for the past, look, let's just be real, 10 years really, when we look at Bears' offense, everyone's going to look at Browns' defense and be like, yeah, had a pretty good game, even if they played the exact same that they have been over the last couple of games because this team just don't score enough. No, absolutely. And look, we've, we've talked about this multiple times. You know, even at the weekend, you can attribute 13 points to the offense, obviously two, which are field goals. 
and that's just not good enough in the NFL these days. Um, so, I mean, this is the thing now with, with Fields coming in. I know he's a rookie, and I know he's only going to have the one week to to kind of you know get a scheme together for him, get a package for him. That's why I think Maggie just needs to let him loose and let him just go out and play his game. Because, look, we've been doing it, as you say, for years. We've been concentrating on defense winning games because offense can't, just cannot score. And, as I say, in this NFL, it's not good enough. So now we have this exciting, young, mobile quarterback. Look, are we overhyping him or not? Who knows? He's a rookie quarterback. You know, we're going to be excited. But, I mean, I do think it's important now that Nagy just puts in a package that's, that suits his game. I mean, the players are there. We have the running back who can who can take pressure off him. I know receivers had a couple of drops at the weekend, but still, A-Rob, is, he's a top-class receiver. And he'll catch more than he drops, you know, over time. Same with Mooney, young, fast receiver. He'll, he'll catch more than he drops as well. So, I mean, the tools are there. It's just going to be for me now. You know, the clock is ticking on Nagy now. The second Fields was named as the starter. Nagy's clocks are going. And and for me now, it's up to him and his staff to put together a package and to put this young player and, and the pieces around them. I mean, we have tight ends, for God's sake. Why are you keeping Jimmy Graham on that kind of money and letting other players go like Kyle Fuller? And then Graham, I think, maybe has one target this season so far in two games. What's, what's the point? Komet, I got one at the weekend. So, I mean, for me now, it's on the coaches. They need to put a plan in place. They need to use this player. They need to use the running backs, you know, to take take a bit of pressure off him and, and give him a chance. And, uh, yeah, because, to be honest with you, as a Bears fan, I'm, I'm fed up at watching the offense come out with 13 points, 14 points, 10 points. You know, it's, it's, it's time to step up now. There's no more excuses. There's no more... You know, no more things to blame now. It's 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 all there, and it's it's just time to start moving forward with it. Yeah, you gotta get the offense into twenty twenty one because look, what can very quickly happen, and we saw it in week one that the Browns can get out to a hot start and get a bunch of points early on, and the difference between then Bears and Kansas City is Kansas City can get all those points back very very quickly. While if the Bears go down by more than two scores, they haven't proven that they can do that now you look at individuals in the offense you're like look Allen robinson is talented cole Komet is talented darnell mooney's proven to be talented dave montgomery i think has been one of the players of the season for the bears thus far and then you have finally someone that can actually get them the football and go downfield it's it's one of those that i feel like i think i would be more confident in this game if it was a game later in the season i think early on you've like we've mentioned while the expectations are high for Justin Fields right now, it's very hard to be to try and be realistic and say how he's going to be uh, unbelievable in his first week of actually being able to practice with the ones. And this is the reason we've said it on the show, why it was completely ridiculous that he wasn't getting kind of he wasn't getting all these reps with the ones in training camp because we knew, Matt Nagy knew, and the Bears organization knew that at some point in this season, he was going to be taking over. And the last thing that you want to do is have a rookie that hasn't been prepared to kind of play with the ones. Because we've seen, we've mentioned already the fact that Zach Wilson, Matt Jones, um, Trevor Lawrence, all these guys are having okay moments, having some rookie mistakes early on, which, as I keep trying to mention to people, it's expected. 
I, I felt bad for Zach Wilson when everybody was booing him after his, I think, second interception. It happens for a rookie quarterback, but it's going to be one I think people need to be a little bit realistic. And Matt Nagy has to earn his money this week and actually help out his rookie quarterback. Get him outside the pocket, run the football, do a bit of play action. But again, it all starts up front. So, John, one of the questions I do want to ask just to kind of round out this conversation on kind of the Bears offense versus the Browns defense is, where have you seen some of the weaknesses in terms of the Browns defense over time? Because we're mentioning some of these guys that in terms of household names that you you know that you expect to play quite well. So over the last couple of seasons, why is it that the Browns haven't been able to kind of push up and be one of those kind of elite defenses? I was looking even through the first two weeks and look, it can, it can depend on whatever team you're playing. Obviously when you have to play against Kansas city, these, numbers kind of skew but in terms of total defense the Browns rank 14th the Bears who I think was pretty porous in week one are ranked eighth um again the Browns have given up 54 points while the Bears just 51 but these are two defenses that when you look at the names should be up there so what do you think is the weak point of the Browns defense right now and the first two games, and it's actually weird that, that we're going to say it this way, but we graded out really well against the Chiefs and really poorly against the Texans comparatively. Um, Jadavian Clowney was brought in because uh, the Browns as an organization value hurries and pressure way over sacks. So sack numbers are not predictable. So sack numbers every year go up and down, but your pressures and um, and all other kind of metrics of, of measuring Russian can be measured more consistently. So Clowney measures very well in a lot of those scales. So Clowney and Garrett had a really good game actually against the against the, the Chiefs without getting their hands on Mahomes. He was hurried and rushed on nearly half his snaps, which is unusual. And they couldn't get a hand on Tyrod Taylor or get a party on Tyrod Taylor. So this, this is kind of my concern at the minute that things aren't clicking. We, we now have players there's no denying that we we have players the system that joe woods is looking to introduce really is a dime system and we're going to be looking at something to keep an eye out something to keep an eye out for on sunday see how many dbs are on the field we're trending towards having six dbs on the field we're trending towards having six or three safeties and three corners on the field i, I think there will be a lot of packages where you'll see newsom um denzel and uh troy hill uh, as cornerbacks and we'll see uh, Ronnie Harrison, John Johnson and um, Grant Delpit on the field and you, you'll see JOK uh, weaving in and out between all the positions um, but they're essentially trending towards that. We don't value linebacker. I look at your linebacker core and I just go oh my god like you know imagine we had you know, two of those. Like, give me Rokon Smith and give me, you know, give me Khalil Mack. You know what I mean? Give me a few. Give me a few of those guys. We don't have that. We have we have an aging Malcolm Smith and we have Mac Wilson who can't tackle. And we have Shioni Taki Taki who's, he's okay. You know what I mean? He's an okay linebacker. But like, um, I, I would say that's where we're soft. You know what I mean? Like, th th that's somewhere that can be attacked. Uh, we don't, we don't value the position. We value more the, the secondary end of things. So I, I think we're a little bit soft in the middle in short areas. I think we can be got at there. Um, I think last weekend against the Texans, something I hadn't seen before, Denzel Ward getting picked on. Denzel gave up a couple of big plays early on. And that's something that's not the norm. 
that's not the norm. Denzel is normally pretty sticky. Newsom has come in and and he's he's done pretty well for a rookie. He's done pretty well. So I wouldn't go attacking the Browns deep. I wouldn't go attacking the Browns. I'd go over the middle. And then see how your run game goes. Uh, you, uh, Tony mentioned it earlier on on the D line. Mac or Malik McDowell has come into the team. Malik McDowell, uh, we weren't expecting to be even make the practice squad at the start of training camp. I don't know if you're familiar with his history, and he's off the field stuff like yeah. a, lot, a lot going on there. Uh, he has come in and he's been an absolute bulldozer. At, uh, at DT. I've seen him walking guys back five yards. You were saying earlier on there that your problem with your guards, I was licking my lips because he's going to walk them back five yards in the top of Justin Fields. Like that's what he has been doing. Um, so if Malik McDowell comes to the table and if the if the if the edge rush gets run, there's, there's just something not snapping at the minute between, with Miles especially because Miles normally you know, you've seen him the last few years, even even against even against poor matchups and getting double teamed every time. With Miles getting double teamed, Jadavian, Jadavian Clowney shouldn't be getting double teamed. You know, like so, there should be someone freed up. Um, I, 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 whilst I'm not ringing alarm bells about our defense at the minute, I, I'm concerned that we don't know. Or when I say we, that the players maybe aren't 100 on the scheme. I've seen John Johnson getting lost twice down the field one very obvious time against Tyreek Hill um in the Kansas City game where Mahomes hoofed it down the field should have been picked off it should it made it made him look like Superman and it really was he just hoofed the ball down the field and John Johnson lost it he lost it over his head and you can't you can't do that to Tyreek Hill uh lost Brandon Cooks a couple of times one is once in particular last week so there, there may be vulnerability there but um you're going to have to have a run game and you're going to have to score because the the Browns are going to score, you know it's going it's going to be you know that's going to be the story of the game. Yeah, that kind of goes to I guess my point previously in that I expect the Browns to score points, so it's it's going to be up for the Bears, and it's interesting hearing you kind of talking about the Browns defense because it seems like there's a completely different game plan when it comes to building a defense for the Browns versus the Bears, where the Browns have all these kind of corners and safeties. Well, you were mentioned that you might have six on, six on the field. I don't know if we have six on the roster, to, to be honest with you. <laughs> we go the complete opposite. I think we had something like seven inside linebackers that were on the initial 53-man roster. It's, it's Sure up the run game. Yeah, exactly. It's the, it is the complete opposite. And look, this is where I want to bring you in on this, Corey, because we mentioned that early on. I, I saw that week one game and the Browns got, I think it was something like 28 points unanswered. And it was it was kind of a scary thought when you're like, oh, we have to play these in, in two weeks' time. But then you see last week and the Texans were able to score points. Obviously, the running game with Montgomery is going to be very, very important. But as John says there, maybe going deep isn't the best case scenario against the Browns. And that brings us back to what happened in week one, where we kept kind of just attacking the middle of the field, but then nothing was actually happening as you get closer um, to the red zone. Do you think that the fact that Justin Fields is in now and there's probably going to be more RPOs, that that might actually open it up a little bit more when it does get to the red zone? You might see the Bears convert more of those opportunities into points. Well, that's that's kind of the hope. And Justin Fields is really, you know, 
the perfect kind of quarterback that you want to see that a, a lot of like play action from. Um, but then you do have Garrett and Clowney coming off the edge that that could definitely limit, um, you know, Fields running ability and his ability to scramble. So, you know, I heard Noel here, just let the kid loose. I don't think that's what we're going to see. I think everybody's really excited to see Justin Fields come in. And I think that John basically he showed exactly what the plan is going to be is I think we're going to see a lot of slant routes. I think we're going to see hopefully a fantastic run game out of Montgomery again. Um, I think that Komet needs to block where he needs to. I think he needs to um, get separation as much as he can. I think tight ends might be a crucial factor in this game and, you know, under a normal kind of defense, um, you know, where, where, you know, they could have six cornerbacks or safeties on the field normally you'd like to stretch the defense, right. And make them play up front and then surprise them on the attack with, with the pass. But that obviously probably won't work against the Browns. So um, I think, you know, in the, the first couple of games, we didn't see a pass over 15 yards more than like a handful of times. So I think, I think this kind of scheme is playing into what Nagy likes to do anyways. Um, we'll just have to see how, how fields executes. The one thing that I am, a little bit optimistic about is that Fields is actually able to execute in the red zone where, I mean, just about every other quarterback that we've had for the past 15 years, we get to the red zone and I'm like, Oh gosh, like, how are we going to screw this up now? And Fields, every time that he's been in, you know, I don't know his exact percentage, but he's, you know, he's getting rushing touchdowns. He's able to, he would have had that touchdown versus uh, Robinson, which technically wasn't in the red zone, but I think he has the ability. He has the confidence. He has the poise to actually execute in the, in the red zone. And then now we just need the rest of the team to play up to him, you know, catch those passes. I think Monty's absolutely on fire. The run game is going to be completely crucial in this game. Um, so, you know, I, I think that a lot of people are going to be expecting to see these, these shots downfield and they're probably going to be pretty disappointed on Sunday. Yeah, absolutely. Look, one of the things I wanted to bring you in on this one now that I kind of think about that, what can make this a little bit different to what we saw in week one and even with all those corners and all the DBs that might be out there, if there is six in certain plays, the one thing that I look at is Justin Fields being able to roll out of the pocket that you make those DBs have to question whether do they stay with their receiver or do they have to go and run at Justin Fields to try and tackle them. And a split second in someone thinking can mean that they lose their man and then suddenly you might get a big play out of that. The one thing that I have more, I guess, positivity about compared to what we saw with Andy Dalton is you may see a quarterback more willing to go downfield, which it didn't seem like that was happening in week one. It was like no matter what was going on, the, the ball was going between kind of five to eight yards and that, and that was about it. But with Justin Fields, I think, number one, he has the arm strength, two, he has the accuracy, and three, if it's not there, he has kind of the legs to go and get first down out of nowhere. I think being able to stretch the plays is going to be a really important one here. So what's your opinion on what you want to see Matt Nagy do this week? Because look, we can say that the Browns didn't have a great performance last week because you look at Tyrod Taylor, you look at Houston, who people didn't expect to do quite well, were able to put up points against them. But at the end of the day, it only takes one or two plays. And we've seen the Bears this year where 
you get a little bit of momentum in the offense, and then what happens? Flag. <laughs> and you get a really good kind of first down play. Flag comes back. For me, and I'll, I'll leave this to you now, for me, it's all about the team, the offense having to work together. You can't have dumb penalties that are going to set you back because if you do that against the Browns, who will score points, and people will be torching, people will be going crazy at our defense, but they have a lot of weapons out there. So what do you want to see Matt Nagy do for this offense now that Justin Fields is in? Well, look, when you have a quarterback like this, I mean, the difference between the quarterback now and Andy Dalton is, although Dalton had a few nice runs this year, Basically, a defense knows what Andy Dalton is doing. He's he's not breaking out. He's not rolling out. He's not running. You know, they know where he's going to be. Now they have a quarterback there who, as you say, if it breaks down, he, he can go. So they, they have to keep that in mind. They can't commit to one or the other because they just have to know if this happens, he can go that way and we need to be ready for it. Um, so I just want to see win, lose or whatever. I just want to see... The, the coaching staff use this quarterback right, put him in a position to to use his talents. To help. Look, if we don't win and if we go a few games and we lose a few games, but well, he's improving and you can see that he's doing it right and that they're bringing him the right way and they're giving him the opportunity to win, then that's that's what this year is about. And as Tony said earlier on, it's it's a developmental year and it's basically a developmental year for this quarterback. So I just want to see them use him right, let him get a you know, let him gel with his receivers, with his running back, with his O-line, let them get familiar with each other. And, yeah, I mean, that, that's that's all you can do with a player like that. You know, maybe see some rollouts, maybe see some play action, something different. And as you say, he has the arm to take the shot if it, if it develops for him. And he's probably cocky enough to want to take that shot as well. He's still a rookie. He might see the chance. You know, he's open. I'm, I can do this. You know, so they're, they're, obviously you'll have to temper that a bit. He'll have to stay within the framework generally of, of the package, the scheme that's there for him. But he has the ability to do it. And it is something defenses have to worry about. And he is a Jill Trek quarterback. So, yeah, as I say, use him right. Give him the opportunity to, to, to develop and to play his game and get comfortable with it. And then, look, we take it from there. If, if you can see he's trending in the right direction, then we're all happy for the future. Yeah, I completely agree. I think if people are expecting to watch this game and want Justin Fields to throw it all over the place, I don't think we're probably going to see that this week. I think you may see that against the Detroit Lions in week four. Yeah. Because no, I agree. I think you said earlier on, this game probably comes a week too early for it. Like, I agree with Corey. They're not, I would love to see them open it up, but they're not going to open it up for him. But just as long as they put him in a position to utilize his talents, then I think that that's the important thing. But yeah, I wouldn't expect him to be slinging it everywhere now. Yeah, I would expect a, a more stellar performance when it comes at home against the Lions in week four. I think it's a more controlled environment there. You're going into Cleveland playing against a team that, as we've said from the start, has playoff aspirations. The Bears, if Justin Fields is playing, like we've said it before, like rookie quarterbacks are inconsistent at best in terms of their first year, but then you see the difference. We were we've been talking about this on our group chat before, and that you look at Kyler Murray in his first year, and there was some really good games, there were some pretty poor games as well, and now you're seeing just how good that kid is. And I see a very similar trajectory for Justin Fields that you're gonna see some good games, you're gonna see some bad games, you're gonna see some wow plays, you're gonna see some plays, you're like, what was he thinking? 
But that's what happens with rookie quarterbacks. They need to experience these mistakes now rather than later on. And that's why I've always been a proponent of Justin Fields playing early on. And that's that's the big thing. Look, where I want to now kind of shift this to is the opposite, where I'm going to go Bears defense versus the Browns offense. So, John, I'll bring you in on this in terms of your offense. So, obviously, Jarvis Landry went out. I think it was an MCL injury, went on IR for now. But the expectation is that Odell Beckham should start getting some game time this week. Obviously, kind of tough to know how much he'll play coming back from an ACL injury. But what do you expect from the from the Browns offense kind of this week, similar to what you've seen over the last couple of weeks in terms of just a really good rushing attack with obviously the two-headed monster with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt? Yeah, you'll, you'll see lots of that. Uh, Baker Baker's average play length is over 10 yards at the minute. That is a that's a huge thing for us because people have to respect that. The people like every defense has to respect that the ball will come out quickly and accurately if you know it's not being run. So it, it that has been a huge thing. Um Baker's greatest asset, I, I think one of the greatest assets, and, and the offense's greatest greatest asset is uh setting up play action. That that's been the key. Uh, if you decide to completely sell out on the run, he will seven to ten yard pass you to death. It'll be death by a thousand cuts, and we'll see a lot more pass attempts than the normal twenty that we would expect. Jarvis is a huge loss. Most people, I don't know, Jarvis Landry is is one of those players that is. Uh, I would describe him. I don't know, like you know, soccer fans might get the analogy as a a Nicky Butt, you know. Uh, every team needs one mightn't exactly be who you want to see playing every weekend but every team needs him you know Jarvis doesn't drop the ball you know you're throwing a seven yard slant I want Jarvis catching the ball you know he's going to go up against any linebacker and he's going to win most of the time Um, what would like you know it's the wide receivers are supposed where it gets interesting we've had the whole the Browns are worse when Odell Beckham is on the is on the pitch argument going on for nearly a year um i don't believe that's true i don't believe like stats stats can tell you whatever you want them to you know under interrogation uh but the problem or or the issue was that last year when odell got injured baker just went nuts baker just went the minute odell got injured but that's not a function of odell getting injured it's a function of the browns getting their shit together that really, like uh, like in game six, seven last year, it started, the trajectory started going up in, in, in all aspects. That game that Odell got injured, the, <laughs> Baker was having a nightmare and Odell went off and then he completed every single one of his passes and four touchdowns and whatever the hell it was in that game went completely off and it, 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 it went up from there. Uh, I'd much sooner have Odell on the field than not. Um, where I think it's going to get interesting, if... You see the Browns pound the ball, pound the ball, pound the ball, short pass, pound the ball. Watch out for uh, Schwartz um, because he's that is going to be where you're going to if you if your cornerbacks are a bit iffy, if your cornerbacks and safeties bite and step up, Schwartz is gone. He's gone and all he has to do is catch the ball. Now, that's this is the thing. Uh, how good is he at catching the ball? We don't know. Uh, Dimitri Felton uh, showed up last week for us uh, with a touchdown and a few good touches. He's been outstanding. He's been absolutely outstanding. Great young player. One of these guys, you know, is he a wide receiver? Is he a, uh, is he a running back? Is he a kick return? He, he just does stuff. You know, give him the ball. You know, he has learned all the positions uh, in training camp. He's ran all the routes. He knows Jarvis Landry's route tree, you know, 
inside out. So he'll he'll probably get a lot of touches. He'll probably get a lot of touches. We've three tight ends that can catch the ball. You know, like what what Corey said in when she was speaking to her. That's exactly if you want to get to the Browns, Cole Komet needs to see the ball seven yards out every time, catch the ball and fall down. Look, Austin Hooper. Austin Hooper catches the ball and falls down for eight yards every time. You know, and that's that's what that's the brown safety net. The brown safety net is Baker throwing the ball to tight ends. And Jarvis Landry and a, a lot of media commentators, some of the media commentators that aren't that enthusiastic about um about Jarvis, and a lot of people give out that he's paid too much money. I don't care how much Jimmy Haslam is paying Jarvis Landry. You know, I, I don't care. We're under the cap. He's a good player. He's here. But people give out that he gets paid too much. Uh, he does essentially the same job as a tight end. He, he is essentially a tight end. He, don't, Jarvis doesn't catch the ball out wide. You know what I mean? Like he's he's across the middle. He's a slot. He's a he's he's a slow he's a slow wide receiver with sure hands. You know, but he, he he's very good at what he does. Um, but him missing, I think there's a bit of heart and soul that that's kind of missing a little bit on the offense. Uh, on the offense side of the ball as well. I, I'm not um, I'm not sitting down waiting on Odell Beckham to show up to have a good game. You know, like he, I, I'm I'm delighted he's playing. I'm delighted he's playing, uh, but you know, I I, I think uh, the Browns are a team that will survive and will win games without massive games from wide receivers. You'll see three tight ends catching 40, 45 yards, and uh, you know, and Joku Hooper and um, and Harrison Bryant. Uh, are, are all are all going to be there and they're all going to be present. Uh, Chubb will run for a couple of quarters. He'll sit down and have a rest. Hunt will come in. They might run Hunt for the first couple of quarters and then bring Chubb in fresh. It's not it's not the Nick Chubb show. It's the running show. You know what I mean? Felton's Felton Felton will get the ball. Felton Felton will take snaps as well at running back. And um, depending on how it goes, you'll either see a lot of dinking and dunking or you'll see a lot of running the ball, and you will see a couple of shots downfield. And whether they're caught or not, anyone's guess. But if the if the if your backfield if your backfield is um is not behaving itself, and what I mean behaving itself, I mean if they're not keeping shape, if they're not keeping form, if they're not sticking to assignments, someone's going to get loose. Someone will get loose because the, the what tends to happen is you tend to see. Teams being very, very disciplined, very, very disciplined, and sort of keeping an eye on the ball, watching the ball, watching the ball. Then someone will bite. Someone will step up. Two linebackers will step up, and someone's gone behind them, and the ball is thrown. Like it, it that's the whole game. That's the that is the that's the heart and soul of the Browns' offense. I'll be honest with you. I'll be real honest with you. It can be boring as shit to watch sometimes, right? But it's a hell of a lot better than getting beaten 35-10. At least, look, at least you, at least you, you guys can score, and that's that's a that's a big thing. Like, it it, it is interesting. Look, Noel, I want to bring you in on that because I kind of listened to is a really good synopsis from John, basically. So you, anyone that doesn't know as much about the Browns' offense, but it's one of those that it's going to depend on what Bears secondary shows up. Is it going to be the secondary that we saw against the Bengals? If that's the case, I think there's going to be opportunities there for like we saw last week with Jalen Johnson, who got his first pick for the Bears, and I thought he had an excellent game. He's kind of showing why he was kind of rated so highly by the Bears. Um, you you need to see the likes of Eddie Jackson. You need to see Deshaun Gibson play quite well. And like we said, stick to the assignments. Don't try and be the hero. No hero ball. Just stay within the defense 
And when that happens, as we saw last week, when you stick to the game plan, that's where you get your takeaways. Like the Bears got three takeaways and three get in three plays against Joe Burrow because the front seven, when they put a lot of pressure, this is what I've said I wanted to see from the very first game be aggressive on defense because that's when you force teams into mistakes. The Bears ultimately have been quite good in their run defense over the last number of years. So if the Bears can, you, look, you're never going to stop a team that has Nick Chubb and kind of Kareem Hunt because you have two guys there that can run the ball and can do it very, very well. But what you're looking for then is to kind of put pressure on Baker Mayfield and force him into mistakes because we've seen over recent times that he will make mistakes there and then it's up to the Bears defense to capitalize on it. No, absolutely. Look, you say it every week. This this front seven is so important given the, the limitations and you know the, the the holes that we have behind them. I mean, Jalen Johnson's been excellent two weeks. I mean, I know he's been targeted a few times in both games, and he he showed why he's the, the highly rated player that he is. And last week was absolutely great. And look, fair play to the Bears defense. They stepped up after week one after a shocking game, but we're one and one now in terms of a good performance and a bad performance. You know. And I think this is a, a big game to let us know, was last week just the Bengals? Or was last week the defense actually maybe coming together with the Desai, getting used to the, the play calling? I mean, as you say, he was a, he was more inventive at the weekend. And I mean, a lot of things uh, during the preseason, a lot of times what was said about Desai from the players was he knows how to put players in the right position. And maybe we've seen that a bit more this week. So maybe for himself, it was a a week one learning for his first game calling plays. So, yeah, but look, as I said, it'll always be important for this front seven to, to step it up, especially against a team like the, the Browns to have that that running game. As you say, Kiran, we, we'll, we won't stop that running game, but you need to try and control it. Um, I also, like, I am... I won't be this week, but I'm generally a big fan of the, the Browns' O-line. I think they have some really good players on that O-line, so... You know, it is going to be important to get through, though, to, to Mayfield because he is a good player. But I think when you get pressure on him and you delay him for a bit, you know, he can he control pick like it, it's it's there. But you just need to be able to get that pressure on. And I mean, I don't know. I see Goldman is, is limited in training this week, so I don't know if he's going to be back. That would be important. I know he's he's not played a competitive game yet in terms of the, the season. But still, he's a he's a big guy in that there that can, you know, make a big difference against the run game. So it's it's going to be interesting. As I say, we're one and one in terms of performances. You know, so this week will really be a big indicator on whether or not this Sean Desai defense is what we hope it is. And yeah. you know, they just need to protect the, the the secondary a little bit. Yeah, look, there's there's one poor performance, obviously, and then one excellent performance, and I think. When you look at it, the defense is probably somewhere in the middle where they weren't as bad as they were in week one, but also they put so much pressure on Joe Burrow that they forced so many mistakes that it became just so easy for the Bears defense. But that was the defense that we saw in 2018, that you put so much pressure on opposing quarterbacks that it forced them into mistakes. And at the end of the day, you can't kind of balk at having five sacks in one game, as Tony rightly mentioned earlier, but also having three intercept or three takeaways. Like that's that's what you want. And look, I know both Tony and I got to kind of talk a little bit about the defense. It's the first time I've been able to say, and I was 
I was really happy with kind of seeing that again because it's been a while since we've gotten to see a defense have a bit of juice and be a bit aggressive. So, look, Corey, I wanted to bring you in because obviously you haven't gotten to talk about kind of the defense from last week. What was your impression when watching the game? Because for me, it's my first reaction when I was seeing it live. I was like, finally. Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. Finally, we're finally seeing this defense play to the level that I think they all know absolutely and that we were hoping that they would play to. I was so happy to see Desai come off a really, really poorly called game, come back, you know, up against a, a weaker offensive line versus the Bengals. But I mean, four, four sacks, four takeaways, they just couldn't have been more on fire than they were. So I'm, I'm really, I, I was really impressed with the game that Desai called. I know, Kieran, you mentioned at the beginning of the game, lining up Mack and Quinn on the same side. And then on that one of those plays, they had uh, Shelly come up and fake the blitz and then drop back into coverage. And that basically cleared the way for Quinn to get that that second sack. Um, and that's kind of like basically the hallmark of the Fangio defense, right, is moving guys around the field and trying to confuse the offense as much as possible and letting – um, the players really play to their strengths. And I think one game from 2018 that you could look at that might be a good example of how to stop the run versus the Browns is when the Rams came to Soldier Field. And you'll see that Fangio actually brought Eddie Jackson up to play close, closer to the line. And that absolutely staunched um, the, the Rams' weak side run game. And we ended up winning that game. Um, and I think that's that game would just be a fantastic ex example of how to completely create confusion, use guys to the their best, you know, abilities. And I, I'm hoping that they can keep riding on this momentum and this excitement. And we finally kind of saw that swag that the 2018 defense had. Right. So. I'm, I'm pumped. And just like the comment, Mario Edwards Jr. is back. I think he's going to be absolutely crucial versus the pass rush. We can see him and Nichols kind of coming in and out, depending on, on the kind of coverages that are called. Who knows what the heck is going on with Goldman? I mean, like, poop or get off the pot already is kind of my take on that. Um, but with or without Goldman, I was very happy with Tonga's performance last week. Um, I'm, I'm hyped. I think that this defense is back, knock on wood. Uh, I, and I, I'm pumped to see what they have to do on Sunday. Yeah. I, I would be really excited about this defense. If not for one question, Tony, I'll bring you in on this one. And that's the nickel because we saw, it. um, you had Jalen Johnson and Kendall Vildor play quite well on the outside. I think just to go piggyback on what Corey was saying, you only have to look at one play where, the Bears did bring up Eddie Jackson and it looked like they were faking him up and the Bengals had no idea what they were doing. And then Eddie Jackson actually does blitz and they were completely confused. He wasn't picked up and it was an easy tackle. Um, so things like that, that you're starting to see Sean Desai be a little bit more creative. But I do want to kind of talk about that one glaring weakness of the defense because you, we actually look at it and obviously we mentioned Robert Quinn got two and a half. I think he's had two and a half sacks now through two games, which is, I think, almost more than he probably had in the entirety of last season. We're seeing the linebackers, obviously, Roquan getting a pick six. Alec Ogletree's played quite well. If Goldman comes back, we have Mario Edwards back. You already have Akeem Hicks and Bilal Nichols that both have a sack already. So 
obviously I think the only big weakness there in that defense is probably the nickel position. And would that be kind of your biggest worry going forward? Because like through two games, you've seen two different guys play nickel and really neither one of them have really stood out. I think Shelley was a little bit better than Marquis Christian in week one because he was at fault or one of the big plays that led to kind of the worst miscommunication we've seen since Chris Conti when, when we were playing against the Packers. But what's your opinion of, of this going forward in terms of who actually has to stand up and win that nickel position to kind of solidify this defense? Firstly, let's never talk about Chris Conti again on the show. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm vetoing Chris Conti mentions. Um, yeah, uh, watching um, the, the, the nickel situation is, is a bit concerning. You're looking, and I mentioned on the, the show um, last week, um, obviously Mark E. Christian played week one. Uh, Duke Shelley was a healthy scratch in week one, and now he's the starting slot corner, just like that. So that tells you the situation we're in in terms of personnel availability at the slot corner position. We've got a guy who, ah, we'll just not put him on the on the squad week one, and now he's oh, actually no, we'll put him in the starting position. You know, it's it's, it's all over the place. You know, there's there's a lot to be concerned about there, and unfortunately, I don't know if there's much we can do to address that outside of relying on uh, Desai and the players themselves to actually develop um to uh, or week in week out to, to a level where they're gonna they're gonna kind of perform a lot better um in terms of uh the the defensive line getting more sacks and I think um you know I mentioned this uh, during the week you can't uh, underestimate um the importance of getting a guy like Eddie Goldman back if we get him back, um, but also getting Mario Edwards Jr. back. Um, we are managing to get a lot of penetration um, up the middle, out, out, in, out in the, the wide points as well, um, with the players that we've got. If you add two guys in there who were Mario Edwards Jr., I think was, was really, really impressive last year. Obviously rewarded with a three-year deal off the back of it. Um, and you've got... Um, Eddie Goldman. Eddie Goldman, I, I really don't know what to expect from him. We haven't seen him since 2019. Um, so, you know, if, if he comes back and plays like we think he can play, then we're laughing. Um, if not, then, um, you know, the, the, the beauty is that we've got a lot of depth in that inside defensive line position. And uh, and uh, Tony, the pod boss, you're absolutely spot on it. I think... Uh, Kieran does look a bit like Andy Dalton today, actually. <laughs> but um, but uh, yeah, but yeah. In, in terms in terms of uh, the defense itself, a lot of strengths, not loads of weaknesses. I know we're talking about Kendall Wilder at the cornerback two position, but if I'm being entirely honest with you, and, and I said this, Noel and I spoke about this before. Um, I'm not blown away by Kendall Wilder. Um, he had a couple of good plays uh, last week. He had the um, the fourth down. Uh, pass breakup, uh, which turned it over and downs for for Chicago, um, and that was great. But then again, towards the end of the game, he got absolutely burned down the sideline by Jamar Chase on that that really long uh, touchdown, and then ended up having Eddie Jackson ran into each other, and then Jamar Chase just strolls into the end zone for a touchdown. So um, I think he's got strengths, um, but he's he's probably not going to be my first choice at cornerback too. Um, but again, it's it's kind of what we've got to work with at the moment, and Corey's spot on as well. You know, if we're we're managing to get Eddie Jackson down at the line of scrimmage, um, making tackles, then that's great. But this is the problem: we need to get Eddie Jackson making tackles, 
And fair enough, he had a good game uh, at the Bengals. But does that mean it's going to continue? Does that mean that he's going to be wrapping up? Or is he going to keep going for the big hit to try and impress everybody? I don't know. He needs to put together back-to-back consistent performances for me to feel confident with him again. Um, And I think, you know, he's got to ride the momentum on the last week, uh, get on the field this week and and prove that point. And again, if Desai can use guys like him playing almost like in a linebacker position or... um, you know, again, Mac moving around the the, the D line. You've got to you got to play to your individual strengths, move people about, take advantage of the versatility, and and hopefully that that kind of gets us over the line defensively. Yeah, completely agree with you. Um, because it's it's one of those that you need to see consistency because when you see two completely different performances from the defense, it's hard to really know what to expect from a week-to-week basis. Hopefully it's just that they're able to learn from some of the mistakes they had in week one and now they can kind of build on that. But again, it's tough to really know. Look, we're coming towards the end of of the show and one of the things we like to do on these preview shows are our kind of bold predictions and game predictions. And I know, Tony, I think, is this two weeks in a row that you've gotten your bold prediction correct? Because I think, did you have... Uh, Justin Fields getting a Russian touchdown in week one and then Robert Quinn getting five sacks. So, look, there's only one person that we have to start with. So, I'll start with yourself, Tony, in terms of what's your bold prediction this week is hopefully it's something to do with a Bears win and we might be looking good. <laughs> Guys, listen in closely because the, the bold prediction guru is here again for another installment. Um, so, yeah, I'm uh, going to be a bit different this time around. Um, and again, it's off the back of Fields being in there uh, and possibly changing the game plan up a wee bit to take advantage of these um, speedy receivers that we've got. Um, hopefully we can utilise the play action a wee bit here, take advantage of the fact that we know that both Fields and Montgomery are threats. So my bold prediction is that Marquise Goodwin will go for over 100 yards and a touchdown. Very interesting. And I will also get your game prediction. Um, so I'm feeling very optimistic today. Um, I'm feeling good. If the, the, the sun is shining, even though it's quarter past 11 at night here. Um, so I'm going to go Bears. Wait for it. Bears 28, Browns 24. Very, very good. Okay, so John, I'll bring you in now to do the opposite. What would your bold prediction be? And then after that, your game prediction. I'm curious, are you looking for a bold prediction as in like something that's unlikely to happen? Or are you looking for like a prediction that sounds a bit bold that's more likely to happen? Uh, just something that's not completely obvious. We don't like to do the boring right. here. I, <laughs> <laughs> right, I'll, I'll, I'll take Anthony Schwartz getting loose for a very long touchdown. I'll take him. I'll take him either shaking loose and and getting down the field and breaking off a big one either on a an end around or or taking the ball down the field very fast. Uh, what, I think I think he's due this weekend. What makes that ball is that he's actually going to catch a ball. Yeah, well, no, this, <laughs> this is the thing, right? So the, the interception Baker had at the weekend is getting roundly put on Anthony Schwartz's shoulder for having a, a little bit of a loss of bottle moment uh, for getting stuck into the DB. Apparently, his eyes wandered away from contact. But yeah, I, I think he'll rebound this week because Baker's going to have to give the ball to someone. 
down the field. And I, I again, I'm not terribly confident in OBJ on that front at the, just at the minute. But I, I think, you know, I, I give it a caveat by saying someone goes for a long one. Someone gets caught napping somewhere and someone goes for a long play. And then I think score-wise, I think the Browns are going to win 28 20 and the last two quarters the last half of the game is going to be like watching paint dry whilst we strangle the life out of it yeah that's about watching both of these teams <laughs> so Corey I'll come to you next what is your bold prediction for this week so here's a fun little stat Bears are 17 and 6 when Khalil Mack gets one sack so I'm going one step further I'm saying he gets one sack, but he uh, he peanut punches it out, takes it back for a touchdown. I'm on that high, that Ro, Roquan high of getting his first career touchdown. I think this would be Cleo Mack's third career touchdown. Um, but but that is my bold prediction. And going with the trend of at least getting at least one sack per game, my game prediction is uh, Bears on top, 21-17. Very, very good. No, we'll come to you next. I came to you last because I know sometimes you struggle with coming up with these bold predictions. So uh, you had a, enough time to think about it now. So what is your bold oh, prediction for this week? The guys have taken mine. All the ones that came oh, up. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And... <laughs> Even John took my one and everything. Eh? <laughs> uh, no, do you know what? Over the first couple of weeks, the tight end position has been completely overlooked. And I think that's something that's going to change this weekend. I think when you have a player like Fields coming in as a rookie, He's going to need some sort of – somebody even maybe may mentioned in the comments earlier that uh, Komet needs to be, you know, his best friend. So I think Maggie is going to some way scheme the tight ends in to have a good game or, and to, to, to give Fields that kind of support. So I'm going to say Komet is going to get a touchdown and have a – I won't say a 100-yard game, but he'll have, a, he'll have a good game, 50, 60 yards and a touchdown – which normally wouldn't seem like a bold prediction, but when you look at the way we've treated the tight ends this year, that's that's a monster game. Uh, in terms of results, Tony actually did steal my score, so I'll go 30-27 to the Bears. I'm going to really go bold with this one. That, I think I think we know the Browns are going to score, that's yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I'm just going to say, let's just, let's just let the offense go and see what happens. So I'll say 30-27 to the Bears, not by us at all. I'm really liking this positivity because after the first week where we're like, oh, great, are we even going to get 10 points here? Yeah. Well, after the first week, I think all of us would have gone Browns 30, Bears 0, like 7, <laughs> given 7. And yeah. that would be a defensive one run in, but sure. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a, it's a tricky one. When I was thinking of a possible bold prediction here, I thought of kind of two, one on offense, one on defense. My defensive one is i think jalen johnson gets a pick six in this game he he follows up his first interception with his first touchdown kind of coming in with obviously roquan smith getting his first pick six and then i'm gonna go with justin fields is going to get at least three touchdowns in this game so that's my other bold prediction again i don't know whether that's going to be running the ball if it's going to be passing the ball but i expect him to have a pretty decent game while not perfect like people want to expect i think this is could be potentially a high scoring game because if one team gets out early like we've mentioned with the browns it means that the bears are gonna have to go throw the ball around if the bears can get up early you know what baker will will try and do then because 
if that's really for me, I think the game that the Bears need to actually try and get up early because then it forces the Browns to have to throw the ball, and that kind of goes back into what the Bears want to happen. We have a couple of people kind of putting in <laughs> their own ones, which so Matt was the first one. So big Jesse James game. I don't think I've seen Jesse James since the preseason. So it's very bold. <laughs> um, we have another one here. So 31-9 to the Bears for Justin Fields, three touchdown passes. All right. Um, we have and Matt came in with another one. So Nagy calls a good game. That is a very bold prediction. Um, we Again, have... bold, bold, not totally unbelievable. Come on, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have Bruja here. Feels one rushing touchdown, one passing touchdown, <laughs> one receiving touchdown. That's that's a good one. Um, we we Smith... won't score four field goals because he just doesn't go for field goals. He go for a fourth down. Very, very good. I I like some of these. But look, it's been great having each one of you on. That was probably the the best comment of the day there, Bruja. Very well done. John, do you want to tell some of the people where they can find some of your stuff? Um, everything uh, that I have at the minute is on Twitter at John Cal underscore IRL. Um, I'm not particularly writing at the moment, and our podcast is on hiatus. I think for this season, I, my podcast co-host is a uh, is uh, uh, expecting a new arrival, and he's a very busy man. So we might uh, we might put it to sleep for the year and get back to it next year. Uh, so we have a uh, we have lots of good conversations over on Brown's Twitter, and lots of great great arguments every day. So feel free to join in. It's great, crack. Yeah, if you want, if you want to see some Browns fans killing each other outside the stadium and beating the living hell out of each other while all the other fans laugh at them, <laughs> but make, make make sure that you do that because like before they used to do it because there was nothing to to look at on the field, but now they can actually watch some football. So it's it's interesting. They're trying to be the Bills, it seems. Just just do it because now apparently that like that was that's from the Muni lot like outside the stadium. Apparently that's just like par for the course. Apparently that's like. That's not a thing. Do, 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 there's videos from all from all over. Like the, the the bills have a coordinated effort. They bring tables and shit. Like you know, yeah. uh, we we don't need tables. I light them just on fire. Yeah, yeah. Just get into it. Yeah, look, <laughs> yeah. It, it it is very funny. But look, Noel, Tony, Corey, it's been great. Kind of having you guys on as well. We do have our post game show, which again you'll see most most of us here. Um, I think Scott may be with us and. As you saw last week with both Noel and Tony being able to host the show on Sunday, Corey will be hosting the show again, giving me a bit of time off to just answer questions. <laughs> so, yeah, look, we have a couple of exciting things coming up over the next few weeks, which we will kind of bring to you guys a couple of good guests and also one or two things for especially some of the guys that have been following the show for a while. Make sure you like the video. Make sure you subscribe to the channel. Um, and look, all we can say until after the game when we will be back with you is bear down. Bear down. Bear down. Bear down. Bear down.